Welcome to Hope for Living with pastor, teacher, and certified mental health coach, Dr. Shannon Eaton. Listen to an encouraging message that is designed to help you build your faith, restore your joy, and renew your hope. What is up, friends? Welcome to Hope for Living. This is Dr. Shannon Eaton here with you, uh, and it is Leadership Wednesday. I'm so excited about our content uh, this week because, you know, we have uh, this conviction. We have a conviction that everybody is a leader, um, and Wednesdays are dedicated to those who are wanting to grow in their leadership, wanting to grow um, whether they're leading in the marketplace, whether they're leading, whether we're leading in churches or our families or whatever, we want to grow in our leadership. And I'm going to be talking about a very pointed topic uh, in leadership this week. And I pray uh, that it would be an encouragement to you, that it would be a help to you, um, that you'd be able to use uh, the principles that we're going to talk about today uh, to kind of do some introspection. Um, in your own leadership and leadership within our organizations, we can, uh, you know, maybe do some evaluation based on the content that we have today that would be helpful to us uh, in the long term. So this week, I want to share with you from this topic, leading from the front lines, leading from the front lines. Now, anybody who has uh, been looking at leadership or been observing leadership over uh, the recent over recent history you've noticed a shift in history you've noticed um, a shift in approaches to leadership now there's a lot of leadership theory out there there's a lot of managerial uh, leader uh, uh, principles out there there's a plethora of books out there but if you observe actual leadership recently in any organization churches anywhere you'll notice that there's been a shift and this is not everybody but there's certainly been a shift in uh the the approach to leadership um and in many of these circles what you're noticing is that many uh whether they're writing about leadership or speaking about leadership um we're looking at many times organizations that have been designed to elevate the actual leader um, rather than elevating the entire organization. Now, uh, we can talk about a lot of reasons why uh, this is occurring. Uh, there's a desire, uh, just to be quite honest with you um, and transparent, there's a lot of desire for people to go viral um, with the rise of social media and different things like that. There's much concern about like shares and comments and um, building your audience and building your following. And the challenge with that is that many it, it's turned some things maybe that have been uh, designed to be tools. I mean, it's turned those into uh, almost idols that we worship in leadership. And we got to be careful about that that we're looking at our leadership as a way uh, to lift the entire organization. Um, as, a, as a child of God, as a believer, we're looking at it as a way to lift up the name of Jesus and glorify him through our leadership. Uh, many times we, we notice that books on leadership and, or, and, and things are written by people who don't actually lead. Um, this is interesting. Um, many times we're looking at our master classes and our um, our sessions on leadership, they're being led by and facilitated by uh, people with no leadership experience. Now, this is a challenge because how can you take me any place that you have not gone yourself? Uh, this is so important. Um, also, we have uh, people who 
you know, when they've gotten self-absorbed, they are insulated from the organizational maze. In other words, you know, you don't, when, when you, when you're trying to teach leadership and share leadership without actually having walked in leadership, it's almost like you're just telling people what to do without having to have uh, applied those principles yourself. So we, we want to be careful about that. We want to be careful about where we're getting our information from, where we're getting uh, our uh, growth material from. Uh, if I were to sum, <coughs> sum up what I just said, many times people who are, who are writing about leadership, teaching about leadership, and this isn't a criticism, it's just uh, a reality of our time. They're writing about it and they're writing about something that they don't actually have to live themselves. In other words, it's the difference between being the face of a leader than rather being a frontline leader. So when you're a frontline leader, you have uh, taken your share of darts, you have past tests, you have uh, been in the grind and in the dirt with those who are uh, trying to cause an organization or um, a family or anything else to move forward. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about leading uh, from the front line. But let's talk a little bit uh, because a person who has not had any experience in organizational leadership at all, um, and I got to stop and say, um, one of the privileges that I've had is the privilege to be able to serve in uh, executive leadership capacities, both uh, spiritually um, in the church and also secular uh, in the school system. So I have some experience navigating uh, both of these places. And so there's there's overlap uh, in that. But, you know, there's some distinct differences in people who have not had to lead um, as organizational leaders. One, the non-organizational leader, they avoid the day-to-day. Um, they uh, avoid uh, the day-to-day. So um, when you've not really led an organization, you've had the privilege of avoiding day-to-day operations, uh, hands-on things that are necessary sometimes for our growth and our development as we move into higher levels of leadership. Another thing that happens is that the non-organizational leader hasn't had to deal with any relational turmoil. If you talk to anybody um, that has dealt with leadership in any capacity, they've had to lead it all um, on the front line. One thing that almost all of them will tell you is there's come a point uh, in their leadership where they've had to deal with relational turmoil. Um, it's never fun. It's always a challenge. Uh, and, and, and But it also develops skills of humility and communication and compromise and all of those things that if you've never had the organizational lead, it's it, it many times you haven't had those capacities to develop those uh, things. The non-organizational leader um, <laughs> avoids having to manage multiple deadlines. So when you're an organizational leader, um, though this is geared to all facets of leadership today, I'm focusing um, primarily on this frontline leadership, you know, and you know, when you when you've not been an organizational leader, managing multiple deadlines is something that you may not have to do on a regular basis. One of the other things is uh, the uncertainty of change. Um, when you when you are not having to lead um, groups of people in organizations, you know, and it's just you, you don't really have to deal a lot with having to get out of your routine and. Um, manage the uncertainties that come 
with necessary change. And, and you know, change is, is a part of life. Change is a part of organizational life. Change is a part of leadership. And if you, you've not been an organizational leader, the challenges, <laughs> you, 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 it, it, it's a different level of challenges in managing the uncertainty of change and how that affects people and how it may build anxiety and worry uh, in the lives of people when they, they have change. Uh, but I'd say one of the biggest things that a person who does not have the challenge or the of, of embracing organizational leadership is this, is they avoid the evolving chemistry of the team. I'll say that again. When you have a team and when you have to, to lead a team and manage a team, you're not only giving the team direction, but then you're almost as, um, I would like to put it, almost like a band director or a conductor. You have, you're not only having to make sure that individuals do their part, but that those parts play in harmony uh, with the rest of the team. And there's, there's, there's uh, continuity and unity uh, within the team. And, and, and here's the, 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 the caveat to this, is when you're dealing with organizational leadership, the chemistry is evolving. Um, in other words, it, it's it's not it, it 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 changes from time to time as you add people and sometimes remove people and people adjust and they grow in their giftings. Um, many times, the challenge that 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 adds is that it affects the chemistry, whether good for good or for bad. The chemistry of a team is evolving. You have to remember that. Just because the team is is flowing um, well and in um, a direction today doesn't mean that they'll be flowing well in that direction tomorrow. So it's very important that um, we look at the evolving chemistry of the team and make sure that we're, we're keeping eyes on that uh, so that we can be uh, helpful um, and ever flourishing in our uh, leadership. Now, I want to talk to you about seven skills of organizational leadership. There's seven skills that are necessary to lead an organization. Um, and if you understand these, um, it's just going to, it's just going to give you exponential, um, growth. If you understand and apply these, uh, properly, uh, first, the first skill is vision. <laughs> now we hear a lot about vision. You got to have a vision. How good is your vision? How big is your vision? Have people bought into your vision? But could I just simplify a vision for us today and is know where we are going. I'll say that again. As a leader, an organizational leader, you have to know with certainty where you're going. Um, it, it's very difficult. One of the things that that presents challenges for people who may be called to our leadership or feel uh, they're part of an organization that we are leading um, one of their many, many times their frustration is tell tell us where we're going. Where is this thing heading? Uh, what do you see um, in the future? Where is God taking us? So we want to be able to be visionary in the sense that we know where God is taking us. Second skill of organizational leadership is values. So we talked about vision, but it's values. Not only would, do we want to know where we're going, but we know, we want to know why we do what we do. Um, values are important. The, the why is important because when the tests of life come, when the struggles of the grind come, when the tensions of leadership arise, um, we want to never lose our why. Uh, 
when you have that why, a strong why etched on your heart, um, it, it's very difficult uh, to be taken off the path because it's not simply about where you're going. But but why is this significant? Why is what we're doing significant? What is what what impact? And for us as Christ followers, what eternal impact uh, does what we're choosing to do have on the world? What legacy am I going to leave? What are people going to say about our organization? Uh, what will they remember about us because we chose to follow the vision that we follow? So uh, first skill we talked about was vision. The second vision we t- uh, uh, skill we talked about was values. But here's another one. The third one is velocity. We got to know how fast we can go. Um, this is crucial. We want to know how fast we can go. It's not enough to know where we're going and why we're doing it, but we want to have a, a realistic understanding of how fast we can go. Not only how fast we can get there, but what what pace can we go at so that we don't burn out, we don't burn ourselves out, we don't burn our team out. Pacing is important. So when we're talking about velocity, we really want to be based on our, the the makeup of our team, the makeup of our team, skill set, talents, uh, calling, unity, chemistry, all of those things we want to take into account and say, how fast can we go? How fast can we get where we believe God is taking us? That's that's the velocity. Uh, after velocity, uh, it's volume. How much can we do? Here's the thing. It's one thing to have big vision. It's another thing to know what we can actually do. And you'll hear me kind of bounce back to, now as people of faith, Obviously, the faith element comes in. The God factor is a big part of all of this. But we want to be realistic about what we can do Um, and not just kind of shoot from the hip. But know with the giftings and the talents and the callings um, and the vision of the organization, how much can we do? Um, and, and, And saying, let me put it this way. If we've got a multimillion dollar vision in a $500 budget, <laughs> we, we've got to look at it and say, you know, by the grace of God, what what can we do? What can we believe God for? How much margin uh, do we have to accomplish what we believe that God has placed on our heart? How can we get there? So it's not that it's impossible, but saying, okay, what are the steps? What are the building blocks that it's going to take to get us where we need to go? So we've talked about vision. We've talked about volume uh, uh, values. We've talked about velocity. We've talked about values. So we need to know where we're going. We need to know why we're going there. We need to know how fast we can go. We need to know how much we can do. But also, watch this, we need to know the vehicle. We need to know how we're going to get where we're going to go. <laughs> this is the, the by far, you, 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 have you ever been to something where we, are, we were always talking about what we're going to do? We're always talking about what we desire to do. We're always talking about what we see. And we need to keep those things in front of us. We certainly want to keep in front of us the vision and the why. uh, But we cannot skip the how. At some point, we've got to get down to the nuts and bolts. And some, as I like to call it, we've got to get our yellow legal pads out and our pencils and our um, notebooks and our dry erase boards, and we got to brainstorm, and we got to strategize, and we got to figure out how are we going to get where we believe 
that God is taking us with. Now, now think of this in terms of your family, in terms of the organization, in terms of your churches, in terms of your business, in terms of whatever. Sit with, sit with the vision long enough that it captivates your heart and it absorbs your heart. But after that, begin to ask God, how can we do this? How, how, how do you want to accomplish this? What steps uh, can we take first? And next, and next, and next, in order to get which where you want us to go. But but the key here is this: the hardest part of knowing how we're going to get where we're going, and the strategy part is we got to start. Um, I believe it's Zechariah where the Bible says that the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We get so overwhelmed by how is this going to turn out? What is it going to look like in the end? When ultimately God rejoices to see us get started. So I challenge you today, if you don't take anything else from Leadership Wednesday today and leading from the front lines, is get started. Now is always a good time to get started. Then we need to know the vitals. We need to know how we're going to measure what we're doing. You know, you can get in arguments about what metrics matter. Here, here, here is the bottom line. In any organization, we measure what matters the most. Now, if I could work backwards from what we already talked about, what drives the metrics? What should drive the metrics? What should drive what we measure? Well, the metrics need to be driven by how we're going to do what we're going to do, how much we can do, how fast do we want to go, why are we doing it, and where are we going? So all of our metrics should be geared towards the previous things that we just mentioned. In other words, we measure what matters now this may be different in every organization it's different from family to family it's different from business to business and so it's important to 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 note that the metrics matter but we have to measure what matters and we can't dictate what matters to somebody else or somebody else's organization but we measure what matters to us the most then we need to look at victory here's the principle of victory what does the win look like like, in, as leaders, we can't leave it up to the people, so to speak, to define what the win is. And, and, and that sounds selfish, but the reason that I say that is they can define what a win is for them individually, but as leaders of the organization, uh, we have to paint that picture. And we have to tell people this is what it looks like to win. Um, and then you celebrate that. Um, and this is so important because... Take for a church, for an instance, or or a business. If you come into, if you come into, if you go into uh, a church and you know you have someone who's a new congregant, and a win for them is if you have a cross on the stage. Um, but a win for you is that someone who was lost became a follower of Jesus Christ. You see how those things are totally different, and so you have to point people in the direction. It works everywhere. Like think about this. Publix has a win. What they define is a win. But I can't go to Publix expecting an Aldi experience or a Walmart experience. I have to go to Publix expecting a Publix experience. <laughs> so defining the win is important because it clarifies expectations for others. Write this down if you're taking notes. A lack of clarity is unkind. A lack of clarity is unkind. Define the win. For your people, define the win for your family, 
define the defy define the win for your church define the win uh, for your organization define the win for the marketplace or wherever it is that God has you it's just so important because a lack of clarity is unkind it doesn't give people a clear direction and it's not fair to people who uh, may be following for their own personal win um, while they're ignorant to what it looks like as an organization to win and lastly we want to look at vulnerabilities so we want to know what our weaknesses look like this is a struggle individually it's a struggle organizationally because we do love to talk about our strengths we love to talk about what we're doing well um, but the process of evaluation um, helps us to understand that we need to also look at vulnerabilities where can we sure this thing up where we where can we get better uh, where can we tighten and now can I can I share with you that there's a balance to this um, and there's a skill to learning how to celebrate um, and look at at blind spots and things like that um, as well and deal with those. And, and, and it only comes with time and experience. But we need to make sure that we're doing both. But we want to make sure that we're assessing possible weak spots and possible blind spots um, that if we got them better or we sharpened them or we looked at them, we'd be so much better as an organization. I want to close with some realities of frontline leadership, some realities of frontline leadership. One, uh, organizational leaders must juggle and balance all of these. We have to struggle. We have to, to juggle and balance all the things that we've talked about. What do you mean? Well, we have to create value for people while promoting outcomes. So if you've ever led uh, in an organization, what you'll learn and what you'll discover is that people who simply care about people, how people feel, um, which we must, how people are treated, which we must, uh, how people are acclimating themselves to the organization. We need to care about all those things. But we cannot say we're going to care for those at the expense of organizational outcomes. In other words, while we're caring for people, we also need to be holding them accountable to the job that we've asked them to do. We need to be holding them accountable to the calling they claim to have. Uh, and, and sometimes this requires courageous conversations. It requires me to, me to say, I love you, I care about you, but this is an area where I feel like you could grow. Uh, this is an area where I feel like if you got better and your, your role in here would go to uh, the next level. Um, we also want to uh, not only promote uh, outcomes, but we want to create realistic timetables. Uh, we don't want to tell people we're going to get somewhere in a week that it's going to take five years to get. And so it really, in our zeal and in our excitement, we have to remember to keep our timelines realistic. Um, we have to learn the ability to be audible. <laughs> we have to learn the ability to be audible. This is so important. I look at this, and I want to use this in two, two aspects. Uh, one, an audible... You know, one time I want to call, call an audible, so to speak. In other words, we need to be able to shift when we need to shift. Uh, we need to be able to change when we need to change. And sometimes that means we, if, if we go, we're going a direction and we have to make a quick change, we need to be willing to do that. Uh, but the other side is we have to learn to keep uh, the right things and the right words in front of our people, the people that we're called to lead. We need to make sure that language uh, is unified and that we're all... Uh, kind of when we have a, a, when we're communicating, that there's a clear understanding of what we're saying. This is so important. Um, 
you know, it, 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 all of these things really work together. When you think about the vision, where we're going, why we're doing what we're doing, how fast can we get there, how much can we do, um, and, and all of the things that we've talked about, um, <laughs> keeping the lines of communication open with our people is crucial and critical to all of this. Two points and then we're done. We want to make sure that we're staying focused yet being flexible. <laughs> oh, man, that's a weakness for me. I'm a person of routine. I like things and I like a, a system and a routine that is pretty predictable and the same. So when we go off the routine, it throws me for a little bit. But we have to learn. We talked in our last uh, teaching uh, about uh, the importance of being multidimensional and being able to shift and change and, and do those things. But we need to be people who can focus on the vision, but at the same time be flexible in how God wants to bring that to pass. And lastly, um, most importantly for our people, we want to couple training with requirements. In other words, when we're asking people to do stuff and when we're asking people to accomplish goals, we want to make sure that we're training them and we're equipping them to do what we're asking them to do. Um, nothing can be more frustrating. Imagine having to dismiss a person or get rid of a person or make a change in the organization because someone's not meeting expectations that they were never trained for. Um, some of these things we need to evaluate ahead of time, certainly competency and things like that, but other things that are specific to our organizations, uh, we need to make sure that we're training and that we're marrying our training with the requirements that we have for people. So let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love, and your kindness. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share on leading on the front lines. Be with your people as they lead um, and help them to build their faith, renew their hope, and restore their joy in their leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you, and God keep you as our prayer. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for Living Podcast with Dr. Shannon Eaton. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged to apply the truths of God's Word to your everyday life. Until next time, keep the faith, hold on to joy, and live in hope.